you know, are the leaders willing to commit and uh, and learn and, uh, and 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 apply the principles in their organization? And if they are, it works anywhere. Welcome to There's a Better Way, a podcast series focused on exploring how operational excellence principles can provide solutions in your personal and professional life. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director at The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss problems we face in our world today. This program is brought to you by the Master of Business Operational Excellence. Welcome to There is a Better Way. I'm here with Dr. John Toussaint, Executive Chairman at the Catalysis uh, Group. Welcome to the program, John. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. So, John, um, can you tell our listeners more about uh, yourself? I know you have a great history of doing transformation, lean transformation in healthcare, and now you're actually managing a, a larger group called Catalysis who does this and learns from this, uh, uh, doing this. So, can you tell us more about yourself? So, I'm a physician. I was uh, the chief medical officer at a uh, integrated delivery system in Wisconsin by the name of Theta Care, and then I uh, was the CEO there for eight and a half years where we experimented a lot with the principles of, uh, of operational excellence. Uh, and since then, I have been, uh, I founded a company called Catalysis, which our mission is really to uh, to, to change the way healthcare is, is delivered and uh, using the principles of operational excellence. So we've had the opportunity to, to work with many different organizations around the world. Uh, and we found that these ideas, these principles, the uh, behaviors, systems, and tools actually are very applicable across any type of healthcare organization anywhere in the world. So I've been to 221 different health systems now in the last decade. Uh, looking at what they're doing, what they're learning, and then writing about that both in articles and books. And uh, we have a team of uh, a few people in Wisconsin that uh, help help support all of that work. That is great, John. 221 organizations and around the world, right? So um, can you tell us about like when you go and see these organizations transform and apply um, operation excellence thinking in their mindset, what do you see are some of the significant challenges that they face? And how do you see that they're coping up with those challenges? Well, I think it all really does start with leadership. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's about leadership no matter what you're trying to do. And the leaders that are engaged, that are willing to learn, that are curious, that are perseverant, um, that, that, that are actually getting some coaching, and getting some uh, somebody from from the outside to help teach them are the ones that are actually doing it. And so I can tell the difference between leaders that are really serious and leaders that are that are uh, maybe giving lip service but not 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 really serious. So it does get back to leadership. It, are the leaders willing to actually make the changes in their own behavior and action that it requires to change the culture of their organization? So I would say the biggest barrier is that willingness and uh, you know the seriousness behind what this takes. Because it's it, the, frankly, we didn't learn this. I mean, you know, it's great that you at Ohio State have the MBOE program where people can learn this, but uh, most of the rest of us, whether we went to medical school or nursing school or hospital administration school, didn't learn any of this. 
So we're really starting from scratch, which takes a significant amount of commitment on the leaders from the leader's perspective. And um, I think the second thing I hear a lot is, well, do we have the resources or not to do this? So yes, it does take resources, but what was interesting is the work that we've done now in South Africa, uh, South Africa has a, the total amount of their GDP spent on healthcare is 4.2%. And in the public health system, it's 2% of GDP. Hmm. So we're at 19.5%, they're at 2%. And uh, guess what? There's two fantastic hospitals in Johannesburg that have seen things like 42% reduction in neonatal infections, significant uh, uh, throughput improvements. They see at, uh, at the Charlotte uh, Max Maxi Hospital in Johannesburg, they see three times as many AIDS patients now as they did before they were applying these principles of operational excellence with the same number of staff. So those are the sorts of things, taking wait times from eight hours to 15 minutes, dramatic improvements in quality and safety, and they have almost no resources. So, so that tells me that it's really about the leader's commitment to actually getting people to change and, and, and then showing these types of patient care results. Wow. I mean, some of these numbers are really, really amazing to see that uh, uh, irrespective of the resources or not, again, these changes can, can happen. So, John, I want to go back to the, the leadership, right? So you mentioned about leadership are the, the main reason why, again, some of these things are not uh, sustaining well, right? So um, how do you even get them on board for this? I mean, they, they, you, like you mentioned, there are leaders who really want to do this. And again, they're going to drink this Kool-Aid and then go with you to the gambus. But then there are people who are skeptical, again, the lip service people. So for our listeners out there who are dealing with a leader who's actually like supportive, but not supportive, how do you get them more on board? What, what can they do to actually get their leaders on board? I think the most powerful thing that I have seen change leaders' behavior is when they go see a, a different organization that's doing things significantly better than they are. And so when I was CEO, we had hundreds, thousands of visitors come to look at how do you apply the principles of operational excellence in healthcare. There are now quite a few uh, organizations around the world that you can go see what good looks like. And so, you know, I think there has to be at least enough willingness to, to, to admit that, that things could be better, no matter how good you are or what your, how great your brand is, is, you know, can you make an argument to the leader, you know, maybe we ought to go take a look at this because, you know, there's an organization over here that's really doing something that's quite unique and getting great results. Most leaders that I have seen that have gone through that process, they have an emotional reaction where they actually, when they see this, these principles actually being applied to patients, they have an emotional reaction, uh, which, which is, wow, I've never knew something like this could be, could happen. And uh, so that emotional reaction, then it actually gets them uh, more interested. Then we can, you know, then we can start to, talk about, okay, what are the, what are the core elements of, of what leaders need to do to get, get the, get the bus rolling down the tracks. But, but we have to get that commitment up front and that, and that's been, I think the most powerful thing is to have leaders who are skeptical or not really committed, go and see what good looks like in operational excellence, both in healthcare and in non-healthcare uh, activities. So that, that's, that's been the, the most powerful uh, learning device.
that, that's a very interesting insight for our listeners, again, is actually making them going and seeing in other places, be it uh, a similar industry, but even if it's not similar, and learning from that saying, okay, how does it work? And then having that part in within their organization, I think that's the thing. John, I also liked your article that you wrote with uh, Susan Eldrick about this whole idea of the leadership and how do you actually create uh, there are different behaviors in a leader, right? So can you talk us to our listeners about that and how actually they can apply some of those skills in, as they develop themselves as a leaders? Yeah, so we identified a, a few key, what we call behavioral dimensions. And, um, and those behavioral dimensions have specific observable behaviors behind them. So if we take the willingness, for example, that's the willingness to change our own behavior. Do we have a self-reflection system in place. And I'm not talking about, you know, driving to work reflecting. I'm talking about building it into your to your week. Is there a time that you actually are t- taking out of your weekly schedule to say, what did I do that unleashed the creativity of the people that work for me this week? And what did I do that shut them down? So that process is an important uh, process. If we think about other uh, behavioral dimensions, one of them is uh, is hum- leading with humility, which is, of course, one of the core principles of operational excellence. So if, if we would observe a leader leading with humility, we would observe them going to the gym by asking open-ended questions and and actually truly listening to the people that that they are uh, that they're that they're seeing rather than going and telling them what to do. Um, this also leads into this behavioral dimension of curiosity, which is, you know, do I really, am I really curious about how things work in my own organization? Am I willing to, and curious to go out and see what's going on? Uh, in, in that process, you know, coaching others through open-ended questions and, and, uh, and careful listening and, and, and starting to try to instill A3 thinking. In other words, staying on the left side of the A3, understanding current conditions. So those would be things that I could observe. Uh, another behavioral dimension is this one of, of perseverance. So it's hard to do this work. So, uh, you know, in terms of changing your own behavior. So, you know, we could observe, are, are, are you actually uh, asking for feedback? So what we call a buddy system, have you identified somebody that could give you feedback? Uh, do you have some sort of coach, with, uh, either internal or external, that can give you feedback? Uh, so those that that that's important. And then and then finally, the rigor behind all of this, which we can observe in um, in in leader standard work. So do you have some standards for your work week uh, or not? Uh, that you know, at, at the CEO and high and top leadership levels, we're not saying that 80% of your job is going to be standard work probably more like 20%. But those are all things that we could observe uh, as we go look for these types of leadership activities that really change the culture. Okay. And and again, these, these are very uh, important traits, John. So going back to the reflection, I, I want to go back and ask a question there because you mentioned reflection is not about just driving in a car or um, taking a shower and thinking something about things, right? Reflection is much more structured as you talked about, right? Can you give us an example of that and how you see that leaders can use that piece to actually make a better leader of, of themselves? So there's, there's many different examples. Certainly the, probably the, the, the simplest example is simply keeping a diary okay. uh, and, and having that diary in, in, in front of you uh, 
all the time. And, and, and so you start to see what your reflections are each week. You look back, you look, you know, and, and it helps you look forward. What are the things I'm learning? Uh, how, how, how can I learn uh, more? And then when we get very, you know, I think the next step behind true reflection is really developing a personal a personal A3, so a personal development A3. So we think about A3 as for problem solving and strategic, and uh, but but actually personal A3 I've found to be one of the most powerful changers of, of leaders' behavior when you actually have to write down what you're learning about yourself and your current state, what your goal is, what why are you why do you act the way you act, and then what experiments are you going to run? Uh, to try to to change some of your behaviors, so personal A three I think is is ultimately where where the best value is from the standpoint of changing uh, behavior. Okay, and in fact, this this is very useful for us, John, because what you mentioned about diary, I think, like you mentioned, it's the simplest way, more powerful way, but like a, a tool like a personal A three, as you talked about, does not only gets your um, um, mindset on a, on a paper, but also communicates that. So everybody else, uh, you and your subordinates who are looking at you now can see how you're progressing as a leader. And that right. is very important in this kind of a learning organization. So that's a very uh, useful insight for our listeners, John. So so I, I, I see that again, uh, getting the leaders on board, getting them to understand the process of change, and then getting all these practices um, helps an organization actually propel this OPEX uh, within their uh, companies. But, but where I see a lot of struggles is that as soon as the leaders depart, then comes this big problem of, okay, that these things fall apart, right? And you've seen that in your personal experience yourself. So can you, and, and also seeing other organizations. So can you tell us more about what can these leaders do when they have taken that load and created this empire of OPEX in their organizations? And then like they, they cannot survive, they have to do other good things uh, within the community. So they step out and things start to crumble. So what do you think are some best practices out there that leaders can do to sustain it, even if they're gone? Well, I think, I think one of the key um, learnings that I've had is that if we don't begin to immerse the, the board of, of, of directors or the board of trustees, depending on whether you're in not-for-profit healthcare or for-profit companies, then when it comes to succession planning, the board doesn't really take into account the the expertise that's required to maintain an OPEX journey. So I believe that it's important to engage the board in the thinking of operational excellence, even to the point of engaging them in their own governance activities using the principles of operational excellence. And we're starting to see this start uh, emerging somewhat in a, in a few healthcare organizations around the country where, where not only are they applying the principles to their governance practices, but, but they're also uh, creating succession planning, not only for the CEO, but for board members. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they're looking for are these behavioral dimensions that I just mentioned. So, um, you know, I think if we can, if we can, if we can really engage the board and that at, at, at that level, I think we're going to see more sustainability across time. Now, obviously, internal succession is really important. If you look at the companies that are, are, are the greatest lean companies in the world, like Toyota and Autoleave and Danaher, I mean, those, all those companies have a very, very rigorous internal succession 
uh, process and, and almost always end up with internal uh, successors. So that's another important aspect of this is, is you know, when, when you grow up in this culture, it's pretty hard to shed it if you become the top leader. So, so I think that's another thing that we can do is, is, is to really have succession planning at every level of the organization and have this be front and center of that, of that succession planning. And then obviously you got to get results. So, you know, what we want to do is make sure that, that we have um, the results, you know, in, in these model, model line or model cell areas so that it becomes harder and harder to sort of pull it, you know, pull it out of the organization as time goes on. Okay, I think I think these are very useful. In fact, like coming back to the board uh, getting involved, I think that's a huge insight, right? Think about, I've never thought about it that way, where uh, getting them involved and making sure that the succession plan for board also remains in a way that they are committed to the Apex journey. So if you better like take that down to a level of a, a plan manager or a division manager, would you see that the board in that case would be something that's uh, overseeing those managers, John? Because again, you're talking about board for a CEO. So how did that translate into a plant level or a, or a hospital medical director? How will that, because that is very critical to keep that thing going. Well, I think part of that is to have the board being go- going to the Gemba and actually seeing what that frontline, what those frontline physicians, nurses, and, and other folks are doing and having a conversation about that with them. So that that begins to connect the, the the board to the the operational work. Not not that the board is going to, you know, take over management, but the board needs to understand how these principles actually apply to the business of which they are the governors. And so that's why it's I think it's critical to create standard work for boards to go to Gimba to actually see what's going on because it helps then for them. In their in their governance responsibilities to understand what's happening at the front line, so they make decisions based on, you know, the knowledge of of of, of the business that they're really in. Okay, that's good, John. And I want to close this conversation going back to your um, um, like you mentioned that you've been to Gambas all around the world, right? You just mentioned about uh, an experience in South Africa. Just again, because to our listeners out there, sometimes they feel that this whole idea of operational excellence. And lean thinking is all uh, uh, well pronounced. We all know that it came from the Japanese, so it's there's a Japanese culture involved. But like, uh, and then we've seen parts of that to thrive in the U.S. But then there is also some pushback. So I want to go back and ask you this question about like, do you see that like these kind of apex thinking um, being dominated by a certain culture, or is it is it ambivalent of the, the the national culture that they have, and this can go? I mean, you mentioned that things are working well in South Africa. Do you think there is any cultural aspect towards the sustaining apex, or do you think it's it's beyond culture? It's about the behaviors in in those organizations. Well, my experience, you know, shows that it's it's beyond any individual uh, uh, country culture or. Uh, societal culture that 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 it's really about the leaders and and the, whether they be at the board or the executive level embracing these principles and I've seen these principles embraced in countries all over the world from South Africa to Finland to to uh, you know Singapore and 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 everywhere in between so so I I don't think that there are necessarily societal barriers or you know, on the other side of positive things, I think it really just gets back to, you know, are the leaders willing to commit and, uh, and learn 
and uh, and 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 apply the principles in their organization. And if they are, it works anywhere. Yeah, <clears throat> that is quite true, John. In fact, like some of the things that you mentioned in our conversation about creating this reflection and creating perseverance. I think, yeah, it's beyond cultures. These are things that any leader from any part of the organization, healthcare, non-healthcare can learn and then apply to actually improve their organization and their life. And, and I really like that part about personal development and personal atheists. I think that is something that everyone listening to our conversation can take on and say, okay, how can I be a better leader for tomorrow? And how, do, how can I get criticism and constructive feedback from everybody so that I'm, I'm actually a better person tomorrow? I think that's very useful. Yeah, and this isn't necessarily new stuff. I mean, Jim Collins was writing about this in, in, in his level five leadership, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, clearly identified that leading with humility and perseverance and some of these behavioral dimensions are critical to to success. So, you know, it, 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 it sort of folds back into what a lot of the research and literature has, has, uh, has actually shown over the years. Yeah, this is great, John. I, again, John, I really want to take, thank you for taking some time. I think I enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners will too. Thanks very much, Arvind. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of There's a Better Way. To listen to our other episodes and for more information on the Master of Business and Operational Excellence, please visit go.osu.edu backslash M-B-O-E.